Welcome to the Uncounseling Show with Dr. Fred Bowley. Each week, the good doctor takes a skeptical, Catholic look at conventional counseling and why it often doesn't work. Dr. Fred has more than 30 years of experience as a counselor and spiritual advisor. He is currently associated with the nonprofit St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries, a partner of the Four Persons Podcast. Their counseling is highly effective for several reasons. First, they operate from a thoroughly Aristotle-Eantomius perspective. This not only is highly effective at driving change, it also has a much happier set of goals than many other theories of counseling. Secondly, they ruthlessly promote selfless love for their clients. Counseling is not an ordinary friendship, but it is friendship nonetheless. St. Barnabas works zealously to love their clients and to communicate that love effectively. Third, they are action-oriented. Some people need patient understanding, but most people who seek counseling want to feel better and the faster the better. Therefore, St. Barn works continuously to refine methods that help people start living more happily now, not next week or next year. Finally, they are thoroughly Catholic and Christian. They do not insist their clients are Catholic and they do not judge souls, but the Catholic approach is kindly, beautiful, and dignified. St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries specializes in counseling, life coaching, and mediation. For more information, please visit their website at stbarn.org. You can email them at stbarn at protonmail.com or call them at 872-269-1280. For questions or comments about this show, email us at email at thefourpersons.com. And now, therapist, spiritual advisor, and legend in his own mind, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Fred Bowley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncounseling with Dr. Fred Bowley, OP, and special guest, Deb Rojas, Catholic mother, Catholic counselor, and Catholic liturgist extraordinaire. Hello, Deb. Hello, Fred. Thanks for having me on. Why doesn't counseling work? It often helps people. People Mm -hmm. feel like they've been helped, but a lot of people feel like they have not been helped. And a lot of the people who feel like they have been helped, let's face it, are not where we would like them to be. Um, so we, we get together on uncounseling to look at counseling from a critical Catholic perspective mm-hmm. and try to understand what it could be, um, and what it's not now. And one of the reasons counseling doesn't work is because it's not our fault. We just have the wrong kind of clients. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, from your introduction, I'd say maybe we have the wrong expectation, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the sense of, you know, our clients are where we want them to be. We kind of have to, as counselors, give that up. Right. You know, because where the client ends up is really their responsibility. Uh And between them and God. So we help them along. But we really have to give give up the outcome, if you will. Yeah, that's a really good point because as a counselor, you only get to see someone often once a week. You know, sometimes exactly. people who are dealing with intense things, I will ask them to, to come and see me twice a week. But realistically, mm-hmm. it's really hard to find time in the schedule to fit people in twice a week because there's so many people who want to and need to be seen. So you see them once a week for only a very limited amount of time, usually an mm-hmm. hour or something like that, and you see them only a limited part of their life. So I'll see someone for three months, say, and that's all I get, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're absolutely right that most of what happens in life is completely outside of my vision as a counselor and my ability to do anything about it in mm-hmm. my life. So it's a very small thing, but maybe it can be 
a uh, a catalyst, you know. Maybe you can be like the the rennet in cheese making. <laughs> you have a million gallons of milk, and you put one drop of the rennet in it. Bingo! It all turns to cheese. Hopefully, maybe. But what is this about uh, having the wrong kind of client? Um, it's a joke in a way, of course. But in mm-hmm. another sense, people have to be ready. What do people have to? What do the client has to do to be ready to make the best out of counseling? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, if you have a client who comes in who's really not ready, then what kind of work can you do? Um, and it's a great question. Um, I think we could probably talk for more than an hour on what makes a <laughs> what makes a what makes a good client. Um, but when we first started discussing the the possibility of this idea, um, the the recalcitrant spouse who didn't want to be in couples counseling came to mind right away. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's someone who is really being dragged to counseling. Mm-hmm. And um, is clearly part of whatever relational issues are going on, but um, really obviously doesn't want to be there. Right. <laughs> so if you think about <laughs> um, the human person, mm-hmm. there is uh, there's the intellect, right? The things that we know and the ways that we know it. But there's also the will. And we're not mm-hmm. talking necessarily free will, but we're talking about want, right? Motivation. What draws what you to something us. good? Mm-hmm. Say mm-hmm. that again, Deb. I talked what to her. What propels us to action? Yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever propels you to action, whether it's good or bad. So if a client is not motivated to do work, then it's hard for us to uh, to do anything with them. But it's kind of like the old joke, you know, the light bulb joke. How many counselors does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the the light bulb really has to want to change. Um, And I think that uh, that's where you're supposed to laugh hilariously, Deb. Um, (laughs) I'm laughing. I'm like, it's more like crying inside. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, (laughs) Dad jokes. Dad jokes rule. Um, mm. But anyway, there's a certain amount of truth to it, but I also feel like it's kind of an excuse, you know. Uh, why didn't you do a better job? Or why didn't why isn't your outcome good with that particular client? Well, it was the client's fault. The client wasn't motivated. Instead of saying, what can I do as a counselor to tap into some kind of motivation or, mm-hmm. or to find slightest bit of crosswind to catch in our sails to to help the client move. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because initially a client comes, you know, like the the introduction, the intake, we're figuring out what is their presenting problem. Because mm-hmm. often even what clients present isn't necessarily what ends up being the major issue. Absolutely. Why is so, that? Um, maybe I would say trust has not yet been established. Mm-hmm. So, so I can come in and tell you an iota of what's going on, but I'm going to wait until I know I can really trust you mm-hmm. to tell you the, the whole story. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty uh, natural thing to do. And I often say to clients, the issue is not that you need to trust everyone. The, the issue is that you need to look carefully and find out who you can trust, mm-hmm. including the counselor. So um, it's perfectly okay to come in with sort of a bland a reason for counseling and then later on uh, open up if you see if the counselor really is, you know, trustworthy. So I interrupted mm-hmm. you. So the client will come in not saying the real reason. What else are we going to say about that? Well, also, we want to know what's motivating them to be there and to do something different. 
Because the reality is, if they're coming in, there's something going on that they need help with, that they recognize that they need help with, at the very least. And that in some area of life, they're stuck. And we can be stuck for a really, really long time. Right. You know, some people can be stuck for months. Some people can be stuck for decades. Yes, sure. So what is it that is the impetus, the motivation for a client to change now? Mm -hmm. And that's our job, to find that and to help them Mm -hmm. set their sails that they really can move forward. But there is also the phenomenon of a person coming to counseling for completely, um, what I would say, wrong reasons. They're not in counseling at all to change. They're in counseling to keep somebody else happy or because they've been forced into it. Or they want to get um, some kind of benefit from the government. So Mm -hmm. they want to kick the box saying, I have been to counseling. So... It's very hard for us, just like your marriage counseling example, to um, to do something with you as a client that you just really are not interested in doing. And thank goodness, mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't want to do that. We want to a person to be really happy, and being really happy is to have all those different aspects of yourself mm-hmm. integrated. Absolutely. So when you have a client who comes and you're, you you can tell they're not fully present, they don't really want to be there, how do you go about set, establishing a relationship with them? Yeah, it's tricky. And uh, I would make distinction because um, if you are only there because um, you have some sort of ulterior motivation or alternative goal, then there's not a lot I can do. But the one great favor I can do for you, (laughs) sorry, just thinking of an example, is to help you go and find something that is better for you than counseling in that situation. So in other words, Hmm. if you are only there because you have the mistaken belief that you can um, uh, tick the boxes or get me to sign your disability um, Mm -hmm. benefit application, very unusual and unlikely for me. Other people do it, not saying. And there are people who need disability benefits, not saying that. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people are looking to get disability benefits for depression, totally against everything I believe in. Why? Because if your uh, ability to pay your bills depends on you being depressed, then you will lock yourself into being depressed for a or at least lock yourself into uh, fooling the government for life, which is not mm-hmm. any sort of uh, happiness. So um, I will help you in that case to find mm-hmm. that this is really not where you want to be. <laughs> you will find yourself doing exercises that you don't enjoy doing. <laughs> we will have but, straight But talks. you as a counselor enjoy helping the client do. <laughs> oh, I'm having a lot of fun.
Right. And that everybody else around them is totally wrong. And right. the situation is really causing them a lot of distress. Um, but they come in and all they want me to say is you are absolutely right. So they want you to be the person who just rubber stamps what they've already decided. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I usually find those clients may, I may see them twice. <laughs> right. But because they're not getting what they want the after the second visit, mm-hmm. they usually don't come back. Right. Because they're not actually there counseling. They're there for validation. Yes. And that's not what counseling is. Mm -mm. It's part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of validating a person. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, validating? What does that mean? It means um, hearing, seeing, seeking to understand. Um being present with um, observing observing being a witness to the pain and the struggle mm-hmm. and and in all of that, like validating the experiences in a person's life and that's different from a stamp of approval right validating an opinion mhm exactly so a lot of times in in counseling um people do believe things that are not quite correct. Mm-hmm. And it's not so important as what you were saying before, which is um, just the very fact that you are beautiful in the eyes of God, right? You're fully mm-hmm. lovable. And in this fallen world, it's not always easy to find people who will love you as you are. It's not saying they're rubber stamping your opinions. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We we don't rubber stamp opinions in counseling, but we try to love people as they are. Mm-hmm. You know, that brings up an interesting thought. I, I had somebody say to me, um, I bet a lot of your clients fall in love with you because of that very thing. Right. You know, like we're in a we're in a space where we're we're offering unconditional love in a particular context, mm-hmm. in a very professional context. Right. And um, I don't know. I kind but of can be confusing for people. Yeah, so I kind of disagreed with that that uh, that observation or that hypothesis, mm-hmm. but um, but at the same time, it may be for some clients the only time that they have had this particular pain or this particular part of themselves observed and really loved unconditionally, which is a very powerful experience. Yes, indeed. It really is. And hopefully, um, it's a life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people don't have a category for it. We very easily talk in terms of um, unconditional love and uh, agape, you know, the love of God. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of us don't really understand that at a lived level. Mm-hmm. We will be right back to the Uncounseling Show with Dr. Fred Boley on the Four Persons Network. The Four Persons Inc. is a licensed 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. No use of our content is allowed by law without our permission. Our goal is to bring you the very best Catholic content possible, including great hosts like Fred. Going forward, we will continue to bring you the best apologists, educational programming, devotionals, and live charitable and social outreach and activism. However, we cannot continue to bring this great programming without your help. All of our members are volunteering their time and efforts, but the hosting, programs, licensing, and subscriptions needed to keep this going costs money. Right now, our credit card platform is not yet operational, but you can still send your tax-deductible gift to the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. That donation address again is the Four Persons Inc. P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. If you are interested in advertising on our shows or have any questions or comments of any kind, 
email us at email at thefourpersons.com or call us at 240-728-6531. counselor or coach? Dr. Fred Boley provides faithful Catholic counseling and coaching for men in Missouri and beyond. He conveniently offers telehealth services for anxiety, depression, marriage counseling, or just getting stuff done. You can find him at stbarn.org or 872-269-1280. Once again, the number is 872-269-1280. Here is the latest podcast scheduled here on The Four Persons. You'll want to write this down so you can keep up with our shows. On Monday at 7 will be the new night of The Tangled Knot with Deb Rojas. Tuesday will be a flex schedule. Some weeks we'll have shows on Tuesday, some weeks we will not. On Wednesday, that will be the new night of Uncounseling with Dr. Fred Bowley. Again, that's on Wednesday at 7, Eastern Time, Uncounseling with Fred Bowley. Thursday will be the second flex scheduled date of our week. On Friday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, it is the Catholic Ken Apologetics Show with Ken Litchfield. Then at 7 p.m., the Luke Haskell Show. On Saturday... At noon Eastern, it is the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show with apologist William Hemsworth. On Saturday evening at 7 p.m., it will be the Taking It to the Streets Show with Terry Delp. And on Sunday at 5 p.m., it is Catholicism Rock. That is our regular schedule, and as things change, we will notify you here at The Four Persons. So, and we've talked about this before, Deb, but we have different theories and different techniques and so forth and so on, but the one thing that is uh, in common is that uh, warm acceptance of people as they are when they come into counseling. Mm Mm-hmm which can be very um, very conducive to change in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. If you get rid of an anxiety that you didn't even know that you had, then suddenly you have so much more energy, you feel so much better. There's um, so much more internal peace. Internal peace, yeah. So things outside might be complete uh, war or chaos or whatever. But inside, you feel like you are okay because you finally understand who you are in relation to the cosmos, you know, who you are in relation mm-hmm. to God uh, at a deep level rather than maybe a surface or intellectual level. Yeah, absolutely. So, Which is why counseling is so beautiful because it really does address the whole person. So I will often have people who misunderstand counseling in a slight degree and not in mm-hmm. a in a way where I um, push them to, to change their mind or to get out, you know, within mm-hmm. two or three sessions. But in the sense that um, they think that counseling is a place to go and um, just moan or complain mm-hmm. about their mm-hmm. life. Well, it's not terribly wrong, and I will accept that for a session or even two, because a lot of times people in in life don't have someone who will listen patiently, right? Mm-hmm. In a uh, looking at people in in in, uh, in, the, in their best sense. So I will listen to it for a bit, but you only get a few sessions of complaining, and after that, guess what? 
He's going to be doing the exercises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you find is a good antidote to to, to complaining? Um, to to finally see that you have uh, the ability to change things. The reason people complain is because they are passive, and people are usually passive because they don't see that there's anything that can be done about the painful or horrible parts of their life. Once they start seeing that they can actually do things that will change the situation or make themselves at least start to have that sense of peace, then it changes their whole uh, worldview, you know, their orientation to life changes from passive to mm-hmm. more active. So because they're taking the responsibility. Exactly. It's key, you know, no matter what you do in counseling, no matter what your theoretical orientation is or the intervention that you use with people, the idea that people can actually do something about their life. You get that? Sorry, I wasn't able to hear what you just said. There was some interference. <clears throat> Whatever your theoretical orientation as a counselor, one of the main things that you have in common with all other counselors is the action orientation. In other words, to help people move from passive to active, from mm-hmm. feeling like there's nothing they can do about their life to um, seeing that there are actually things that might be small, but it makes a difference to what they can, to the to the that they can actually change things. So how do you help people move from complaining? Well, definitely, definitely looking at ways that they can engage responsibly um, makes a big difference. I also find that encouraging gratitude mm-hmm. helps them to look more for what is good in life than looking at the things and always focusing on the things that they don't like. I sometimes find that people feel you're saying to them, oh, cheer up, it's not so bad, stick up her lip. In other words, you don't really understand the suffering they're going through. You're just telling them, oh, cheer up. Well, I mean, if all I did was it's, so it depends on how that um, how that's presented, because typically what I will do with assigning something like gratitude is save that for like the last three minutes of a session. I gotcha. So in that the rest of the the session is really like being present with them, like talking about the the issues and the challenges, and really getting in that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they feel like I'm really seeing them. Mm-hmm. Seeing like as much as possible the, the big picture of their struggle, that I'm that I'm in it with them, in the trenches. You know? And yeah. then um and then so by the time I, I talk about gratitude, I've earned the ability to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You've earned the right to say that. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it is true as well that even if you give a client an irrelevant assignment. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you are hearing my voice right now and listening to this podcast, try this. So this is mm-hmm. one weird trick. Whatever your problem is, whatever you're going through, <clears throat> keep thinking about that. Keep working on it. It's okay. But off to the side... Think back to someone who has done something good for you and write them a very short thank you note or a a thank you email, just telling them what they did for you that you appreciate and why you appreciate it. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Three sentences is good enough. So maybe find two people or three people, depending on your energy level, and send them a thank you this week. And see how that affects your ability to actually deal with the big problems that you've got. What often happens is that doing something really simple like that actually frees you up to uh, do a much better job 
with the big things, you start seeing new possibilities or having a, a new attitude towards it, feeling a lot better about it. What do you do? Do you have any other sort of assignments you give people for gratitude? Gratitude journaling. Well, that's cool. What's that? Gratitude journaling is um, at the end of the day. Because anxiety often kicks in at night. People lay down and go to sleep. Or they try to go to sleep. And the brain starts (laughs) playing playing its games, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so gratitude journaling before, as part of a bedtime routine, Mm -hmm. can help to focus one's mind on those things that are good. Mm-hmm. And um, and gratitude changes the way we think. It changes the way we feel. In what way? Well, it changes the way we think because we're automatically focusing on a good instead of mm-hmm. the possibilities of what could go wrong. Right. Or what has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so it in that we're just thinking about something different intentionally. We're choosing intentionally mm-hmm. to focus on, on something that is good, that is beneficial to us. And then we're also, you know, gratitude is related to surrender in the sense that it's recognizing that something good, something good is happening to me that is out of my control. Mm-hmm. You're the beneficiary of grace. Yes. Exactly. That's another one that none of us really fully appreciates. I think Mm -hmm. as we go through life, we can work to cultivate that. But the, the truth is that the act of existing is dependent upon God, right? God holds us in existence at every moment of our lives, holds the universe in existence. Mm-hmm. So that creation is not something that happened and boom was finished, you know. Mm-hmm. We're not yet at the seventh day. God is still creating us. Be careful that you don't slip into some kind of heresy. Well, and I, in existence. I like to use the word becoming. You know, we are yeah. becoming who we are. Yes, in one sense. In another sense, uh, our nature is our nature. Right. In one sense, we are who we are, but we're yeah. really like becoming, be, you know, God says, be holy as I am holy. There's an element to living, like realizing our, um, you know, we we are images of the creator. We Imago Dei. Mm-hmm. We reflect his glory, but we do, we do that far from perfectly in our fallen state. And so there's that element of becoming who we are. Mm-hmm. It has to be a lifelong gratitude journal to do and they're like uh, I did it a little bit like oh well have you brought it with you well I did it more in my mind <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. the last 10 seconds after you asked me the question is when I did my gratitude journal mm-hmm. right I'm being facetious but I find a lot of people really really want to change their lives and really, really don't do the homework. Mm-hmm. So that you see that the motivation is lacking. I really, really, really want to change all the complaining, right? Not a criticism, but obviously the counseling is not working. It's not helping them to change. Um, you see some people for months, years, mm-hmm. and you realize like it's what I call rent a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're if you have been in counseling yourself, you you 
try to get you to do things for their own benefit. It's just there for you, 45 minutes a week, right? You know, it's a little break. It's an oasis. It's nice. But you haven't really changed the way you look at life. You mm-hmm. haven't changed the way you do things. And so mm-hmm. the problems are still there. It's just you have your own secret little um, fix once a week of, of mm-hmm. So. so- so how do you address that with a client when you see that kind of stagnation? Well, sometimes uh, I'll use um, what I call behavioral activation. Well, it's not just me. That is what it is. <laughs> behavioral activation, which is a really strange thing. Here's another thing that you can try. Here's another one weird trick. Um, list some what I call minimally rewarding activities that you're already doing. Are Push people to make them to earth so that people will say, well, I need to sort out my uh, closet. No, 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 no. Don't don't sort out your closet. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth, put on clothes, go into the kitchen and get something to eat. These are all things Mm -hmm. on the list. They're really, really really basic. Um, Many years ago, Sorry, I lost you at many years ago. <laughs> many years ago, <laughs> we had my granny with us, and mm-hmm. uh, she was beloved. Um, she was really a wonderful person, and in fact, she was like one of these people who is does counseling doesn't get paid for it. You know, everybody mm-hmm. wanted to come and talk to her, and she would give advice, and I don't know, people sometimes listen to her, but anyway, um, we used to like to hang out with her. And we would go over to help her. But I realized um, that sometimes I would be very irritated trying to help her. Hmm. Um, we would, She would say, let's uh, let's get lunch ready. Okay. We'd go towards the kitchen and she would say, you do the tuna fish. Uh, okay. So I would head to the pantry. She would be like, go to the pantry and uh, get the tuna fish. Like, yeah, okay. So then I would reach up to the third shelf, and she'd say, get that tuna fish off the third shelf. Like, okay, Grant, I got it. And uh, then I would head over across the kitchen to her electric can opener, you know. Mm -hmm. And she would say, take that over to the can opener. Like, yeah, I got it, Grant. And uh, when you get that done, drain it into the sink. And so I would start to go crazy. After I had drained it, I would head towards the fridge. She'd be like, go to the fridge and get the mayonnaise out. I know, Gran. Uh, So here's Granny, who we love. I mean, everybody really, really loved her. And yet she would drive me crazy. And I realized as I reflected that I was getting a tiny little bit of reward for doing the simplest thing, right? The the fact that I know that you need a fork Mm -hmm. to get the tuna out of the can and where the (laughs) fork is. In that second drawer. You know, you have to drain the tuna into the sink. <laughs> I know this, and it's like, it's mm-hmm. not a huge thing, but, you know, it gives me a tiny little bit of reward for doing it, knowing it, and doing it. A little bit of independence. So, a little bit of independence. And that's mm-hmm. what a, a, the nature of human happiness is. It's choosing the good. Mm-hmm. And so by her taking away my... Um, possibility or opportunities for choosing tiny little good things to do, mm-hmm. she was taking away the joy of that job from me, mm-hmm. not on purpose. Not on she purpose, did. no. She was on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Like so, mothering mode, right? Yes. But a little <laughs> bit of a smothering did. mode at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mothering mode and the smothering mode. Yeah. I like that. So you make a list of uh, I will usually ask people to do 14 little tiny, tiny things that might already be doing them, like brushing mm-hmm. their teeth or depending on where they are. Some people who are depressed don't have a shower or don't brush their teeth because they are so depressed. But other people mm-hmm. are doing that on on the daily. I don't care. Write it down anyway. Mm-hmm. It might even be dry yourself off with a towel. You know, it's very simple and nobody notices it. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those minimally rewarding things. Okay, so we get a list of 14 things, and here's the key thing. 
you make a little calendar for the seven days and you put two of these things on each day. And if you need to, you, you can repeat them. All right, so to-do list. Oh, to-do list. So let's see how much we can get done. No, it's not about how much you can get done. It's about simply having something scheduled so that you're actually mindful of it. And once you have mm-hmm. done it for that day, you scratch it off the list. You have to do that part. That's very important. That's the important part of it is to have it scheduled and to scratch mm-hmm. it off as it happens. Why? Because you're now reestablishing um, a connection between your action in the world and that minimal reward. Mm-hmm. So your brain kind of gets reset so that you're actually starting to see that, yes, I do things and I get reward from it on a really, really basic level. So I have that really, really basic level of motivation mm-hmm. available to me now so that I can see it might be fun to to write a thank you letter to Mrs. Smith, my third grade teacher, you know, or something like that. So what your what your grandmother that that's a great example because what you described is a lack of agency. Like within yeah. that particular context, mm-hmm. there was no way you could add any different spices. No no room for creativity, right? Right. Or I like or double the recipe. You know, like or or yeah. I mean, really, you were very limited in in what you mm-hmm. could do. Um. And when we feel like we don't have that sense of agency, we kind of give up. Yes. And so what you're describing is helping your clients rediscover their sense of agency and ability to move themselves. Mm-hmm. With simple also, little things that have a, have an immediate reward. Right. I think big, very low... Uh, little little steps up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's often a, a hidden anxiety that maybe I will go to all the effort of mm-hmm. finding that particular bill. You know, maybe someone has the bills out of control and mm-hmm. they've been putting off actually getting involved and dealing with it. Maybe I'll go to all this effort and strife and pain, and nothing good will come of it. Mm-hmm. So it's safer right here where I am, you know, huddling or or um, hiding in my covers, right? <laughs> mhm. And watching, so, uh, playing on Facebook or playing Minecraft or, you know, like what, exactly. whatever it is that people do when they're trying to avoid life. Right. Yeah. So, um, people who who are frightened and don't realize they're frightened. <clears throat> but don't do the homework because they have that anxiety mm-hmm. or depression. Then uh, it can be helpful to use simple things like that to to get them started and get them moving up out of that. Mm-hmm. So we can sometimes take the wrong kind of client and using air quotes, right? Um, facetiously, they're really not the wrong kind of client. But there are ways for us as counselors to get past their um, their orientation towards staying safe and staying the same to a funner orientation, which is finding out what's out there and uh, and going out and, and doing something different so that they might have a better life, mm-hmm. happier life at a really basic level, not not what I would call true happiness, but at least fun, right? I mean, at, at least, least functional. Yeah. You know, at least like in a in a healthy way, functional, in a basic healthy way. Yeah, yeah. You said the wrong kind of client facetiously, and I thought, yeah. well, the wrong kind of client or the wrong kind of counselor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how can you how can a counselor become the right kind of counselor? So the client becomes the right kind of client. What do you do, Deb? Do you have ideas or do you? What's your practice? It really requires a great deal of self-awareness. In the counselor. For the counselor, absolutely. Because the likelihood is that whatever a client is, like how I'm responding to a client, 
could be a way that other people perceive them. Mm-hmm. Generally. And so, um, not necessarily in the first session or two, because they might be more nervous or, you know, kind of settling into comfortable talking with me. But um, it really helps me to fi- to to figure out what they need to move towards a greater level, a higher level of flourishing. Yes. So... Can you think of an example from from real life? Um, yeah, a client who um, a couple of clients who complain a lot come to mind. Uh-huh. And complain a lot with, like, a woe is me, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of the way they lock themselves into their their present misery mm-hmm. is, um, it's not endearing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is too bad, right? Because they're probably having that effect on people in real life. Exactly, exactly. And so as I, you know, as a counselor, as I, as I sit, as I sit with them and recognize within myself, like my, my response, um, it's, it's a good motivation for me to figure out how to help them be able to interact interpersonally in a way that is more conducive to being able to give of themselves and connect more authentically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good example. Well, I often tell clients that um, emotions are lights on the dashboard. For the counselor, we have more dashboards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're more like a reaction. pilot in a plane. Yeah. <laughs> more like a... Uh, airliner mm-hmm. so that if we find ourselves irritated with the client um, it's not a sign that the client is um, an irritating person per se but that they need help in that particular way mm-hmm. so how can people get hold of you um, <laughs> they can call my office at 610-601-9781 610 9781 or email me at debrojascounseling at gmail.com Romeo Oscar Juliet Alpha Sierra yes okay. <laughs> how can I get a hold of you Fred well you can get me at stbarn.org S T B A R N Saint Barn dot org or Saint Barn at ProtonMail dot com. ProtonMail of course is email. You can encrypt it end to end. If you're using a Gmail, then uh, you are not encrypting your end, but my end is encrypted. So hmm. I would recommend everyone to check out ProtonMail or other free emails that uh, is encrypted. Um, you have to do that, Deb. Um, but yes. Please feel free to get a hold of us with questions, concerns, or if you to make an appointment at St. Barnabas or with the rural process of the other nine counselors at Integrity. You're not Integrity Restored anymore, are you? No, um, it's Integrity Counseling Services. Integrity Counseling Services mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Thank you, Fred. So uh, remember to check out every evening a fine podcast on Four Person Blog and Blog Talk Radio. And uh, you can check out the website as well or uh, Facebook, the Four Persons blog. And you can check out our blog as well at stainbarn.org. A famous counselor who is also a contributor to our uh, blog and newsletter we do for priests who have to uh, help us in many ways and find it difficult sometimes because a lot of people need counseling. Counseling will work if you work it. Find the right Mm -hmm. counselor. It's a Catholic counselor, 
worked at that time means we are out of time. Thank you for being, <laughs> thank you for being with us today, Deb. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was fun. And St. Barnabas. Pray for us. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be together today. Thank you for giving us the privilege of trying to help people. And we pray for all the suffering people. You would give them relief and give them someone to talk to in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See you all next time on Uncounseling. Remember to check out In Two Days, Deb's uh, fine podcast called The Tangled Knot with Deb Rojas. We will see you all later. Thank you for being with us. Yes, blessings. Bye-bye. The Four Persons Inc. is a registered 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. Any unauthorized use of this content without the permission of the Four Persons Inc. and our hosts is prohibited and subject to legal action. Thank you.